Good morning, church family. I'm Richie Aki, and I'm a part of the ushers ministry and men's ministry team here at Kaimiki Christian. And this morning, before we get into Pastor Nofo's message, let us turn to Luke 19, verses 28 to 44. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Thank you. Thank you, Richie. Appreciate it. Good morning, everyone. What a powerful and beautiful worship this morning. Let's give them a big hand this morning. <clears throat> again, for, for, for some of you guys are new here this morning, again, let me say this again, all right? If you don't understand my accent, right? Please ask the Holy Spirit to help you because I can't help you with that. All right? You promised. God, you promised. That is the title of my message this morning. You promised. Have you ever had someone promise something so great to you that you could hardly wait for it to happen? You dream about it. Imagine what you do with it, right? You create the scenarios that will play out when it happens, when the promise becomes the reality. I like to talk about my son. Let me share uh, a story about my, my son, Michael. He plays for the University of Arizona. My son, when my son was a freshman in high school, I promised him that uh, if he played football, and if he um, uh, had a scholarship to go to college, then I will uh, give him a Samoan warrior tattoo. <laughs> you know, it's one of the great ways you can motivate your kids to go to college, you know. <laughs> just, just saying, just saying. You know, it's a big deal in my culture, Samoan. So what happened? Michael went to work. In his summer, after his sophomore year, he received his first offer from Pac-12. 
school. And he came to me, Dad, I, I got my first offer. That's great, son. Congratulations. I love you. But, Daddy, I want my tattoo now. <laughs> I said, I love you, son, but let's wait. It's not time yet. No, 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 no. Same thing happened. Again, the summer of his uh, junior year, he came back again and said, Daddy, I want my tattoo now. This is not fair. You promised me. You promised that I will have my tattoo. Again, even though I promised, it wasn't the right time for him to have tattoo. And I said, no, it's not the right time, son. No, I can't give you a tattoo right now. Now, after the season of the senior year, you know, Michael received so many offers from schools around the nation. He had a 45 scholarship offers. And he picked Arizona to go to. I want him to go to Penn State, but bigger honest wanted to go to, so to play football. Say, Dad, I want my tattoo now. Now, I think my son was thinking that I would never get my promise to him. Finally, it was the week before he went to school, and he said, Dad, please, I need my tattoo. I need, you don't need your tattoo. You don't need to go there. And honestly, I believe he thought I would never do it for him. So then he first season of college football finished, he came home, and I'm sure he thought I would say no again. Say, Dad, I just finished my first season in college. Okay, that's great, congratulations, son, I love you, but Dad, you promised my tattoo. Can I have my tattoo now? And he said, I love you too. You can have your tattoo now. <laughs> so, yes, 11 hours, all day, he was exhausted and truly in pain from that experience. So as we drove home that night, he said, Dad, I understand now that why it was so hard. It hurts. Could not have done it before then. That, yeah. yeah. So he has a tattoo. So I'm one warrior tattoo. <laughs> now here's the thing. No, sometimes the thing that is promised, it just doesn't happen when you want and how you want and where you want. It just doesn't seem to coincide with our hopes and our dreams. And we are disappointed, often disillusioned, maybe even disenchanted with the promiser. So it was with the children of Israel they had been promised a land to live in, protection, a home, and kindness. In fact, they had a covenant established between their forefathers and Almighty God. He had promised them a savior. He had promised them a king, a messiah. He promised them. And for 400 years, his voice was not even heard in the land. What kind of promise is that? Like I promised my son for his tattoo. And he didn't get it until his first year in college. You promised that. The children of Israel had been exiled and conquered and defeated. And even now, they were under Roman rule. You promised a Messiah. You promised us God. You promised that you will give us a king, that you will set up his kingdom here on earth. You promised us, God. You promised. Have you ever felt that way about God? When you are dealing with your own 
family issues, when you are dealing with your own health issues, when you are dealing with your own financial issues and your relationship issues, emotional turmoil. Maybe you read his promises like this, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord is my, sh- my helper, I will not be afraid. And then Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Promises. Promises that we cling to when life hurts. If we were to admit it, sometimes we may feel just a bit disappointed because the life still hurts. And sometimes those promises feel untrue. Now you can imagine the excitement of the followers of Jesus Christ at that day. Your king is coming. Your king is coming. Righteous, victorious, no more wars. There will be peace. The kingdom of God will stretch from sea to sea to the ends of the earth. The children of Israel were looking for a king. They were looking for a leader, someone to conquer the Roman legends. Psalm wanted to establish his throne and crush the enemy. And for three years, Jesus had talked about the kingdom of God. His disciples had discussed the positions of authority within this kingdom. But Jesus is focused on Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the holy city, the locations of the temple, the place where most assumed its religious leadership had been given the authority by God. Jerusalem, religion and relationship with God clashed. Where leaders and the son of the living God have their final encounter. Jesus' life is fast coming to an end now. And within the week, Jesus will be betrayed, will be abandoned and denied, accused and tried, convicted and executed. The time of teaching is over. His destiny as a son of God is drawing ever closer. The instructions are clear. Verses 32, 34. It says, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a coat tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you untied it, say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the coat, his owners asked them, Why are you untying the coat? They replied, The Lord needs it. The disciples throwed their clocks over the pack of the coat. And the king of kings rides into the city on the back of the coat. It was tradition that time that the king would ride into Jerusalem on a colt. And such action confirmed, confirmed Jesus as a David Messiah. And people along the road quickly throw their clocks before them and wave their palm branches and hail him as king of kings. Mark 9, 11, verses 9 to 10. Those who sent ahead and those who followed shout, Hosanna, blessed is who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. 
Maybe the promise made to the children of Israel centuries before is finally being fulfilled. Maybe this Jesus really is the king they have been waiting for. Maybe this Jesus is who he says he is. Isn't this a Jesus who healed the sick? Fast applying men to see? And the lame to walk? What do you think about when you talk about Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords? What do you expect of Jesus? Do you expect Jesus to answer every prayer immediately? Or do you expect Jesus to make you feel better every day? Do you expect Jesus to make you wealthy, happy, lovable, smarter, and stronger? Or do you expect Jesus to fix life for you? Even through your choices may have serious consequences. What did you expect Jesus to do for you today? See, the crowds of that day expected Jesus to fix their current situation. To set up the kingdom of their father David, headquarters in Jerusalem. They expected Jesus to overthrow the Roman government and establish peace. Their style. They expected life to be different that day forward. Finally, the king of the Jews was here. He was riding into Jerusalem on a cart, ready to conquer the city and set up his government. The Pharisees were unsettled because they did not like the current situation. So they demanded Jesus to rebuke his followers for the outburst of worship and praise. But this is what Jesus responded. Verse 40. He says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. My friends, as Jesus approached the city, Jerusalem, he looked over the city and wept. He wept. Jesus understood the hearts of these people lighting on the streets. Jesus' heart was breaking, was breaking for his city and for his people. Now look at verses 41 to 42. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you even, you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Now, for me, I kind of like the New Living Translation here in verse 42. Because the verse 42, New Translation says, How I wish today that you, all of people, would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. It says, it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Too late. It is too late. Jilling words spoken in pain by the Son of the living God to a people who neither received or accepted. 
drilling words spoken in pain by the Son of God who are expecting something excellent for me. Without cost, without commitment, it is too late. Your motives are wrong. Your expectations are distorted and selfish. Say, I have come not to change this world so it's easy for you to live. I have come to transform your hearts and lives from within, inside out, so that you live well in a world that is not so easy and even peaceful. I have come to give you abundant life here on earth and eternal life with me someday. So what happened? What happened between Sundays, Hosanna's, Hosanna's, and Fridays? Crucify him. Crucify Jesus. What happened between Sundays, palm branches waving and shouting, celebration, party, and Fridays, mob scene? How can someone want to crown Jesus as king on Sunday and by Friday? want to see Jesus die, dead. How could they be that fickle? It is possible that we, it is possible that we can go from being so in love with Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I worship. Being so in love with Jesus to being so angry with Jesus. It is possible that we perhaps unintentionally write out, crucify Jesus, crucify him, get rid of him. When what do we feel has been promised does not come to us in a way that we think it should. Crucify him. It is possible that we cry out, you promised, you promised, you promised Jesus. Oh, Dad, you promised my tattoo I didn't get until my first year in college. You promised my life is still the same. The crowd that day, the followers of Jesus Christ, assumed that Jesus' kingdom talk was about an earthly kingdom. They assumed that day that the promise of a Savior had political implications. They assumed that day that Roman rule would be crushed. They assumed that day that a new government would be established and life would be better here on earth. The crowd assumed that day that the oppressors would get to what they deserve. Do we sometimes, <laughs> secretly, sometimes, publicly, want to see them catch what's coming? when we feel oppressed. Here is the problem. Monday, nothing changed on Monday. Tuesday, nothing changed on Tuesday. Nothing changed on Wednesday. Nothing changed on Thursday. The children of Israel were still under Roman rule. Life was still not fair. Now, Zechariah 9.9 says, You promised that our king was coming. You promised that. 
He keep promising God. He keep promise that the king was coming. He will be righteous and victorious. He will announce a peace to the nations. He will rule from sea to sea. And nothing has changed. You promised. You promised. You promised. You broke your word. You broke it. You know, we forget how God has worked in our past. When we stuck in the circumstances of our present. And people back then forgot that on their way to Jerusalem. That Jesus had healed a blind man. Raised Lazarus from the dead. Talk more about kingdom work and continue to minister to the broken. The discouraged and distressed. You know, sometimes... We forget that Jesus continues to work in our present. Even when we hide behind closed doors and defending walls. We forget that someone is still praying for you. Still praying for me. Sometimes we forget that Jesus is still in the city for you and for me before the Father when life just doesn't seem fair. The people wanted proof. That Jesus Christ was the Son of God, the Son of Man. But they forgot that over a three-year period, he had fed thousands and healed hundreds. They forgot that he had listened and watched and taught and lived by example. They forgot God's promise. They wanted continuing miracles and signs and wonders. Do we like that? Wanting miracles, signs, proofs, the promise of God's unconditional love and forgiveness. Now, here's what we can rely on. If you turn your Bible to John 3, 16 to 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The son of God, the son of man, as he rode into Jerusalem that day, was fulfilling the promise made by God to his people. Just like the crowds that day, expecting the promise of power, status, prestige, a promise of freedom from oppression. So we expect a promise of freedom from life stuff. You know, come Friday, all those people who were waving, shouting, Osanas, Osanas, were wondering, where's my free lunch? He fed 5,000 men, blessed women and children, and I'm hungry. Come Friday, all those people were waving. Their palm branches were still grieving. My loved one is still dead. And I thought he could raise people from the dead. Come Friday, all those people who laid down their cross as Jesus passed by were still sick. I still have my pain. I still have my problem. You can fill in the plank. I thought he could make it a plain walk. I thought the blind could see when they meet Jesus. 
But Jesus had been here for nearly a week, and there are still a whole lot of sick people in this town. Come Friday, all the hope that they had on that first Palm Sunday was gone. Nothing had changed. The promise of deliverance had been broken. Let me tell you something. When we, when people are disillusioned, <laughs> when people are disappointed and discouraged, when people are without hope, they are desperate, they do desperate and despicable and dreadful things. It's easier for them to best wait it when they don't have hope. The hopeless, the discouraged, the disappointed don't always think clearly. But here's the good news, my brothers and sisters, this morning. We can have hope in the life giver. He said, Book of John 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. You can't go around that. We can have hope in the living, victorious one said, Book of Revelation 1.18. I am the living one. I was dead. And now, look. Look at me. I am alive. And forever and ever, amen, I will hold the keys of death and hates. Friends, we have hope this coming Sunday. Whatever your problem is, whatever your situation, whatever your dilemma, if you know Jesus this morning, you have hope. A wonderful hope. And we have a lot to rejoice about this morning. Because of our hope, we will have an opportunity, you and I and every other believer who had ever lived, to have our own palm waving, Hosanna, glorify Jesus. Amen? We certainly have missed Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We can't go back there and wave our palms up high in the air like they did 2,000 plus years ago. But yet there is going to be another palm-waving Sunday party. And let me tell you good news. You and I will be there. We are going to be there. All of us are going to be there. We are invited to that. Amen? Listen to these words of tremendous hope from John, the Revelator. Look at John 7, verse 10, verse 12, 16, and 17. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Verse 12. Saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Never again would they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. Verse 17. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Hallelujah. We were not in Jerusalem the first time. 
We were not standing along the streets when Jesus Christ rode into the city on a colt. But here is the promise this morning. There is going to be another party. This time, it will not be a fickle crowd. This time, it will be a faithful crowd. And you and I are invited to be there. And the next bomb-waving party, no one will be changing their stories four days later. No one will be going from Osanas, Osanas, to crucify Jesus. We will be shouting, we will be singing and waving those palm branches and saying amen and praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength to be our God forever and ever, amen. There is going to be a celebration for those who have found hope in the Lord. The Lamb of God promises that. The king is coming. The king is coming. The king is coming. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Without your Holy Spirit, Father God, I can't do nothing. Father, the word this morning that you used had to apply into our own lives before we apply to the lives of others. Father, we are waiting for the King to come. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.